If you're enjoying Founding Fufu, every yam and cassava counts. Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Let's work together in building a creative digital audio platform that shares experiences across the globe. Click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Pounding Fufu, the podcast. I'm Danica Samuel, your host, creator, and storyteller. I'm a firm believer that everything in life happens for a reason, and sometimes that reason isn't for you, but for another person. Chapter 5 Eskista, Tibbs, and Buna Memories in Toronto's Addis Ababa When I stare at the cultured clothes in my wardrobe, I reminisce of how I fell in love with Little Ethiopia. Kimis and scarves gifted to me spark memoirs of Toronto's Abisha community. Although the label of Little Ethiopia isn't ordained by the city of Toronto, many citizens embrace the essence of Addis Ababa nestled between the east of Danforth, starting at Greenwood and stretching to Woodbine, and Maine with a sprinkle near Victoria Park. As a child, my grandmother lived near Greenwood and Danforth, in the heart of Toronto's Addis Ababa. I would exit Greenwood Station and hear the slow beat of drums puncturing restaurant speakers. The sounds were mixed of strings, flutes, and tambourines. Walking by the patios, I saw beer glasses clanking and arms crossing over one another at the dinner table to eat the lentils, cabbage, and sliced meat on injera. I noticed friends kissed from cheek to cheek Mixing with their laughter, I heard specific expressions when they reacted to what looked like life stories being shared. At a young age, the Amharic written on the convenience stores and restaurant fronts had me confused. It reminded me of Egyptian and Arabic with calligraphy that felt ancient and historical. The written language told me a story of an ancient civilization, one that I saw in movies. My ignorance, fueled with my curiosity, led me to a lifetime of love and appreciation for Ethiopia. I remember describing Ethiopian people to my household at a young age. I had a considerable admiration for Oromo women. Up until that point, honey brown eyes, dark brown skin, and silky hair was a combination I believed was foreign unless you were of mixed ethnicity. I was obsessed with the full flowing afros of Ethiopian women on the Danforth. I told my mother about some of the cone-like hairstyles I saw that sat like crowns on their scalps. The light beige fabrics they wore across their bodies had bright colors at the hems and looked like soft, breathable material. I mentioned how their distinct features of longer foreheads, aquiline noses, sharp heart faces, and flawless brown complexions had me staring in fascination. Without knowing the names or appropriate references of their culture, I learned really fast that the people near Greenwood and Danforth were royalty. From elementary to middle school, my Abisha friends adopted me into their culture. After their Amharic speaking classes, they would teach me words and phrases throughout the week. I remember knowing that Zimbe meant quiet, and we used this whenever we were talking about someone who came across the corner. By grade nine, I had dipped my hand in many injera dishes and stuffed my stomach with succulent tips from several Ethiopian restaurants across the Danforth. 
The smell of buna brewing and coffee beans roasting became embedded in my senses. The incense of herbs and curb solidified I was entering Ethiopian spaces. My initiation to coffee was in the home of my childhood best friend, Madoc. She lived in the apartments of Teasdale Place, a neighborhood populated with many Ethiopians at the time. We sat with our legs folded on plush cushions with her mother, who had a traditional kimi covering her braids. As she poured the pure coffee into our teacups, I held a small handle with my index while sticking out my pinky finger. The moment reminded me of my childhood tea parties. I sipped my first taste of coffee with my upper lip quivering at its purity. I wasn't allowed to have coffee when I was younger. My parents felt it was too strong for me as an adolescent. There were many infomercials and news coverage about the effects of caffeine being equivalent to cigarettes in the late 90s and 2000s, but I never told my parents until much later. When I did tell them, I explained the tradition and called it holy and sacred coffee. I was positive that Buna could never have the same results as Tim Hortons. It was coffee that was absolute and healthy. More and more, I became the adopted child to my Abisha community on the Danforth. After visiting my grandma or finishing school, I would hop on the Bloor Danforth train to Woodbine and get my hair done by Elizabeth at Zoma Beauty Hair Salon, my hairdresser to this very day. Her bright orange walls were filled with tribal sculptures, traditional hair picks, and black and white hair portraits of tribal women from Oromo, Tigrinya, Donga, Amhara, Amer, Mercy, and Dasanek people. I remember seeing the hot comb steaming in the ovens while Habisha auntie sat under the hair dryers with curlers. As Elsabeth styled and braided her clients, I sat in admiration and jealousy, wishing my hair could be like theirs. Every time I complained, she reminded me of how beautiful I was. Elsabeth made it her duty to make sure I loved and appreciated my hair, even if I wasn't Abisha. At Zoma's, I learned the most about Ethiopian culture and tradition. As Elsa massaged my scalp over the basin filled with shampoo, she would tell me about various hair techniques and self-care traditions of her people. And of course, there were an odd few times I was invited for Buna in the staff room. I enjoyed sitting in the hair salon chair watching TV. I would hold my ears as a sizzling hot comb ran through my edges and through my nappy hair. On TV, she played music videos of Teddy Afro, Gigi, Bella Bayou, and Abisha Christian artists. The women in the salon would clap their hands and translate the lyrics for me. My cherishable moments were when they reminisced about first hearing their favorite songs on the radio. One day, I overheard a woman in the salon talking about a millennium. She was styling her hair in shuruba, the same traditional crown-like hairstyle I shared with my family. The cornrows mounted on her head with smaller braids in between, covering the front half of her scalp. The bottom half of her head flowed with a luscious wavy afro. When I asked about the millennium, Elsa grabbed my shoulders, excited to explain. You have to go to the millennium. The celebration downtown, you will love it. The woman in Zoma's hair salon described the festival as a massive gathering for Abishas all over the city. It was a time to celebrate their New Year's in accordance with the Orthodox calendar. The event took place at Christie Pitts. As they described it to me and emphasized my potential Abisha boyfriends, it sounded like an event I couldn't miss out on. Within the next few days leading up to the millennium, I told my Abisha friends I wanted to go. We planned to meet up for Njera and then roam the festival celebrating. We met up at Lalibella's restaurant, which was one station away from Christie Pitts Park. 
For a late lunch, we feasted on dodoat, kidfo, shiru, with gomen, lentils, collard greens, salad, and of course, the signature ceremonial Ethiopian coffee, buna. Scoffing down our ice cream and baklava that we took to go, we walked towards the celebration. As we exercised our food babies from the restaurant to the park, I heard the familiar sounds of drums, flutes, strings, and tambourines. There's something about an African drum that throbs in your veins, punctures your heart, and uplifts your soul. Walking into the park, my eyes were wandering and my mind was racing. There was so much African royalty around me. Elderly women wore their kimis with the mescal cross around their necks and foreheads. Some of the younger Abishas had the same cross in gold as a chain. African people and gold are aesthetically pleasing. The afros across the terrain consisted of every shape, form, and curl pattern. I saw dark, light, and brown Abishas glistening in their beauty as they kissed one another from cheek to cheek. Some of the men wore their traditional outfits with jerry-curled high tops, while others flaunted their dreads. I saw many Rastafarians throughout the vicinity and remembered my father telling me about Hale Selassie and his influence on the Rastafarian religion. The MC that yelled from the stage was an enthusiastic man wearing a Nutella across his body. He often swung it from time to time to add to his charisma. As the sun began to set, my friend suggested we move to the front of the stage. At that point, I had already collected souvenirs, snacks, and saturated myself in the festivities. As the performers beat the drums and dancers took their positions on stage, I saw people dancing in circles, strong chest movements of hands synchronized to the music. Their shoulders were moving rapidly from side to side, and their necks flung in rhythm with their hair swaying left to right. Men and women leaned into one another as they danced in powerful chemistry. One couple was jumping high off the ground, keeping the cadence of the drums in their shoulders. When I asked about the dance moves, Maida grabbed my hand and called over the other girls, insisting that they teach me the eskista. <laughs> After a night of dancing for hours in front of the stage at Christie Pitts, the beat of the drums stayed in my body. Sometimes I feel like it never left. I practiced my eskista in my mirror and downloaded Teddy Afro songs on my iPod. I wanted to make sure I was ready to dance along at the next millennium. Sure enough, that's precisely what I did year after year. One millennia festival, I also jumped high off the ground with a stranger. But with all that dancing and practicing, I still never showed my ex-boyfriend my moves. In 2013, yes, I fell in love with an Ethiopian barber. His family asked me to join in dancing on special events at their restaurant, but I was far too shy. Herut was the closest Ethiopian restaurant to my house, so I was there quite often. The live music at the end of the week welcomed the community to share their sounds while enjoying the culture and cuisine of Ethiopia. Torontonians in the beaches area loved Ethiopian food, amongst being immersed in Danforth's Abisha influence. Unlike regular customers, I received special treatment of having a kula fefer for breakfast and injera for lunch and dinner. I was always nourished. Being an Abisha king, 
opened up my heart to more families and communities within Little Ethiopia. His mom renamed me Dinkanish, the most sentimental thing I held on to, my own Abisha name. I shared it with my family, hairdresser, and the Oromo convenience store owner at the corner of my street. So basically anybody that would listen. I was proud. Before I knew it, I was making runs to pick up Njeda, teaching young Abishas in the community, and cheering on his relatives at soccer matches. I was able to sit down with adults discussing politics over Buna, and sometimes cleverly responded in Amharic to my elders. I too began to say Inde, just like the Abishas I admired growing up near Greenwood and Danforth. I wasn't that great at it though. <laughs> Even though my cheek-to-cheek greetings remained awkward, and sometimes I wanted my own plate of vegetable and jera, I was family. The essence of little Ethiopia that I admired as a child had adopted me entirely and nurtured me into my adult life. The little girl fascinated by local kings and queens that surrounded me near Greenwood and Danforth became embedded in my culture. Although it's a hidden gem nestled in Toronto's busy city, little Ethiopia became my castle and home to a royal family I proudly became a part of forever. Thank you for listening to this episode of Pounding Fufu. I look forward to you joining me in figuring out this thing called life. You can listen via Spotify and Apple Podcasts or dive into the digital experience at poundingfufu.com. And remember, life doesn't get better. You do. You do.